While I was in Brazil, I was preparing a worship for the board meeting, and I started studying a subject which I'm going to share with you tonight because I saw how valuable it really was. So I've entitled this, The Faults of Others. What should we do about them? Now, it's not hard to see that other people have faults, but sometimes we don't do the best thing in regard to those faults. So we're going to take a look at what we should do with them. Now, first of all, we, we have a difficulty that James, James was the general conference president of that day. So he was aware of some of the biggest problems in the church. And this is one of them. He said, in many things, we offend all. So I can't stand up here and say, it's you folks that need this advice. He says, everybody falls. In many things, we offend all. Or my margin said, we all stumble. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. But of course, no one's going to stand up and say, I never use my tongue in the wrong way. The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. Scott was telling me at our Bible study how that one time he was following the GPS and it took his truck to the Canadian border. Now, he didn't want to go to the Canadian border, but... He was stuck there, so uh, the person at the border told him, well, you can go in and come back around and go back out again. But the man at the other end coming back in was determined to make as much trouble for him as possible. And he was trying to get him stirred up where he'd get mad. But uh, fortunately, he didn't get mad. And so eventually... He was let to go in. Yes, words, as it says here, can set people on fire. If you speak the wrong words, that's what will happen. <clears throat> then he comes in verses 7 and 8 and says, For every kind of beasts and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. And, you know, it's amazing to us when somebody can train a lion. Uh, it was one man, I think it was, uh, was it Stingray that he trained? Anyway, he got killed by one and shocked everybody. But, you know, it's true. 
that people can train any kind of animal or, or bird, but it says, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Now, praise the Lord, Jesus can tame it. But man cannot tame it. James is right. Man cannot do it. There's too much tendency to speak words on some occasions at least that are not good. And then in verses 9 and 10, he points out what is the biggest problem with the tongue. Therewith, bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. So he, he said, we use the tongue in a good way. We praise God. We, we uh, pray to him. We share truth from him. And we use the tongue in a blessing, you know, as a blessing. But then the same tongue gets used to bring pain and agony. It says, out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. So he's telling us there's help available, but we really have a problem. And we need to conquer, by the grace of God, conquer this problem. So I hope that tonight as we take a look at how we conquer the problem, that many of us will make a new determination to follow the plan and to conquer this tongue that we have. In Heavenly Places, page 123, it says, Memories Hall should be hung with sacred pictures, with views of Jesus, with lessons of his truth, with revealings of his matchless charms. What we, in, in the wording here, the pictures that we look at are going to cause us to talk. And so if that's all the pictures we have in our memory, then we're, we're not going to say anything bad. If memories hall were thus furnished, we would not look upon our lot as intolerable. You know, I hope no one is here that feels abused and mistreated by a lot of people. Because if those are our thoughts about how much we've been abused and mistreated and so on, then we're going to be miserable because of all the bad things people are doing to us. It says, we would not talk of the faults of others. Yes, people do bad things to us at times, and some get more than others. But that is not what we are to be thinking about and talking about. It says, our souls would be full of Jesus and his love. So, we would have such, a, such pleasure, we would have such wonderful things that we would be thinking 
about Jesus, that when somebody does something or says something they shouldn't do, it doesn't get our attention because we have something better that we want to think about and dwell upon. Steps to Christ, page 121, says, If we keep uppermost in our minds the unkind and unjust acts of others, we shall find it impossible to love them as Christ has loved us. So sometimes we try the impossible. We think about the unjust things, the unkind things that people do. And sometimes it's not commission, it's just omission. In other words, they should have appreciated what we do, what we did, but they didn't. And they didn't say anything. So whether it's positive or negative, uh, if those are kept uppermost, then you know, we cannot really love them like Jesus wants us to love them. It is impossible to love them as Christ has loved us, but if our thoughts dwell upon the wondrous love and pity of Christ for us, you know, how much do we hurt him? How much pain do we cause him? A lot more than anybody's ever caused us. The same spirit will flow out to others. We should love and respect one another, notwithstanding the faults and imperfections that we cannot help seeing. So we're not told, don't see anything. We can't help but see the things that others do. Whether it's toward us or just something that we saw, but we can't help but see those things that ought not to be. But the question is, you know, are they going to become our focus or not? And God is able to help us still love, still respect each other in spite of all those things. Now, every person would like to have that treatment, right? But it's a lot harder to give that treatment to other people to not look upon their faults, but to be able to love them anyway in spite of it. Humility and self-distrust should be cultivated. In other words, we can fall. You know, today it might be them, but tomorrow might be us. What do we need? We need humility, we need self-distrust, and then it makes it easier to not hold it against them for what they did. Humility and self-distrust should be cultivated and a patient tenderness with the faults of others. And here's what that does for us. This will kill out all narrowing selfishness and make us large-hearted and generous. Does that sound attractive? To be large-hearted and generous? Well, if we don't make the faults of others the, the big thing in our mind, but instead we're thinking about Jesus and how he's overlooking our faults and 
what wonderful things he's done and is doing for us, then we don't have much time to think about the faults of other people. In uh, Councils to the Church, page 174, it says, We should endeavor to think well of all men, especially our brethren, until compelled to think otherwise. Now, I'm sure that some of you, and maybe everyone, has had the experience of seeing something and hearing something, but you didn't know the whole story. And so, in your mind, you felt that that person had been really bad. But then, later, you learned the rest of the story. And they didn't seem so bad anymore. You ever had that experience? I've had that experience. It's a good teaching tool to be slower, to make up your mind about what you think is wrong. So, unless we're compelled to think. Now, we're not going to study this tonight, but if the person really is doing wrong, that's when we go to Matthew 18 and we follow the procedure in Matthew 18. But uh, we, we want to wait until we're compelled to believe that they're in the wrong. We should not hastily credit evil reports. You know, uh, I haven't kept a record, and I'm glad I haven't, but every once in a while I hear a story of what Pastor Atwood did or said. And it's way off base <laughs> of what I did or what I said. And uh, the thought has come to my mind, well, if the people want to believe that, let them go ahead and believe it, you know. But we're not to be hasty to receive an evil report about somebody. These are often the result of envy or misunderstanding. You know, envy is a terrible thing. And as I thought about this quotation, I don't think it's all conscious envy. But there is subconscious envy because somebody is successful or somebody is uh, being looked up to and another person has envy and so that motivates them to say some things about this person. Or it just could be a misunderstanding. Maybe they didn't explain it well enough. Maybe uh, only part of the story got told. But all of these lead to big trouble. These are often the result of envy or misunderstanding. Or they may proceed from exaggeration or a partial disclosure of facts. You know, the, some have trouble. The story is not exciting enough. And so they exaggerate the story to be a little bit beyond what it really was. And then if we're quick to believe that, and especially pass it on, who knows how far that's going to go and how much damage it's going to do. Jealousy and suspicion, once allowed a place, 
will sow themselves broadcast like thistle down. You know, I was thinking, uh, it's true about thistle down, but I was thinking of dandelions. Dandelions, people don't like them in their lawn or in their garden. They're really hard to get rid of. They have a taproot that goes real deep, and if you don't get it clear to the bottom, it'll come right up again. But, you know, it's amazing. As those go to seed, those little seed pods, they go everywhere. I've seen fields that are almost all dandelion. They've just taken over the field. Well, unfortunately, these qualities, envy, misunderstanding, exaggeration, only part of the story, jealousy, suspicion, this, that's what they do. And we don't want to be a part of that. But we're going to have to be careful what we pass on. In Gospel Workers, page 479, it says, Evil speaking is a twofold curse, falling more heavily upon the speaker than upon the hearer. Now, that's an eye-opener for the person that reads that for the first time. We tend to get hurt deeply by what people do or say about us. But the truth is, the person that said it has hurt themselves worse than what you were hurt, if, if you're the one they talked about. So that should help a little bit, you know, not feeling so ill toward the one that said those things. In fact, in the, in the kind of experience with Jesus that we can have, it actually brings pity into our heart for the one that is destroying themselves by spreading things that are bad about other people. He who scatters the seeds of dissension and strife reaps in his own soul the deadly fruits. You know, I, I, I'm going to say this, but I hope it'll be taken in the right uh, way. I really believe that there's a lot of conservative groups that are going to end up being lost because they focus on the faults of the brethren and uh, whatever theology they think is not right, and they're talking and talking about these things, not realizing that they are destroying their own character by, by that habit. The very act of looking for evil in others develops evil in those who look. So we're looking at the damage that takes place to the people that indulge in sharing stories of bad things that other people have done. By dwelling upon the faults of others, we are changed into the same image. But by beholding Jesus talking of his love and perfection of character, we become changed into his image. So, when you look at it that way, 
As some people say, it's a no-brainer, right? If we think about the faults of other people and the mistakes they've made and the bad things they've done, it makes us like them. But if we think about Jesus, it makes us like him. And that's what we all really want, isn't it? We want to end up to be like Jesus. And that's the way to do it. Now, the enemy is always trying to get our mind. He knows what will happen if we think about Jesus too much. He knows. And so he tries to draw our attention to the, all the bad things that are going on and all the things that people are doing they shouldn't do and what they're neglecting to do that they should be doing. And he just draws our attention to that because he wants to get our mind off from dwelling on Jesus. Second Testimonies 393 and 4. This is an actual situation that's being described. This is not the only case where neglect to follow the light which the Lord has given has been shielded behind the faults of others. So the first sentence establishes what's going on. This person is busy thinking about the faults of other people. What they should be busy doing is making sure they understand the truth as they should understand it. It is to the shame of men and women of intelligence that they have no higher standard than that of imperfect human beings. The course of those around them, however imperfect, is considered by some a sufficient excuse for them to follow in the same path. So here's this brother. He's not following the truth, but he's looking at the church members. And he sees all kinds of things they're doing they shouldn't be doing. And so he is busy <clears throat> thinking about those things rather than thinking about the truth that he needs to be following. If he departs from the counsel of God, his example is at once gladly seized by the unconsecrated who now feel that they are free from restraint. So they, we look around at each other and we see somebody doing something that we know is wrong, and pretty soon other people think, well, I can do it too because they're doing it, and this is all the wrong focus. Just because somebody else does wrong doesn't mean we should do wrong. But that's the tendency. Here's one of my favorites in Steps to Christ. I could give four sermons on this quotation, but we're just thinking about one tonight. It says, when the mind dwells on self, it is turned away from Christ, the source of strength and life. And it's going to give us a list on how it is that we are thinking about self. Hence, it is Satan's constant effort to keep the attention diverted from the Savior and thus prevent the union and communion of the soul with Christ. Now, here's four things that Satan uses. <clears throat> the pleasures of the world. 
life's cares and perplexities and sorrows. The faults of others. That's the one we're thinking about tonight. One of Satan's tactics is to try to get us to think about the faults of others or your own faults and imperfections. To any or all of these, he will seek to divert the mind. Now that last one is a, is a big one for sincere people that often they get to thinking about their bad points to the place where they lose their way and they become discouraged because they're thinking too much about their bad points. But this other one is extremely common in, in the church and especially in an institution. I, I don't keep a record, but it seems like almost every week I hear about something, and after the whole truth is out, it wasn't true what was said. I'm talking about right here at Wildwood. That things get said, and they go, and they travel to this one and that one, and, you know, it's not somebody didn't even check out the story to see if that story was really true. So it's uh, definitely something we all struggle with. Now, this is an interesting insight into how can we gain the victory over this. In Sons and Daughters, page 348, it says, The truly converted man has no inclination to think or talk of the faults of others. Wow. The truly converted person doesn't even have an interest to talk about that. Well then, don't you think that's really what we should be asking for? That kind of a conversion to where it's not even enjoyable to talk about these things? In uh, Publishing Ministry 183, it says, If all will look, not at the faults of others, but at their own shortcomings. Now, you can look too long even at that, but there is a proper place for looking at our shortcomings because they're in the judgment hour. And if we don't know what they are and we don't get rid of them, it means serious consequences. says, if we, if all will look, not at the faults of others, but at their own shortcomings, our brethren and sisters will be a blessing to the community. Would you like to be a blessing to the Wildwood community? Well, that's the solution right there. Uh, stop looking at the faults of others and uh, look at your own shortcomings, and there'll be enough there to keep us all busy in getting rid of those things. And in uh, Seventh Testimonies, page 202, those who are given to gossip, who dwell on the faults of others while neglecting their own, should be separated from the work. Wow, when I read that one, I thought, I wonder, would we really 
have the courage to do that? That if someone, now I don't take these statements to mean doing this without laboring with somebody, you know, and trying to help them recognize their weakness and, and trying to overcome it. But apparently, if, if adequate labor has been bestowed upon someone who's doing that and they don't uh, quit, it says they should be separated from the work. Well, you can see why. Because so many people get involved. Now, if nobody would listen, it would contain it fairly quickly, wouldn't it? Nobody would listen. So it takes both uh, speakers and listeners. Here's some really good advice from 4th Testimonies, page 650. No one is compelled to, to copy the errors of professed Christians. So just because somebody else does it doesn't mean we have to do it. If he sees the mistakes and faults of others, he will be responsible before God and before his fellow men if he does not set a better example. So there's another solution. That when we see somebody with a fault, we need to plead with God that we will not manifest that fault. That we will give the right impression to try to make up for the bad impression that was made by somebody else to where we will give the right impression of what should be done. That's a much more constructive plan than to go around telling, did you know so-and-so did such and such? Fifth Testimonies, page 333. We may see and condemn the faults of others while we have greater faults which we have never realized. Interesting. If the truth was known, and it goes on to say, but which are distinctly seen by others. So in other words, here we are spreading the bad deeds of somebody and other people are looking at us and, and they're aware that we did way worse than what we're talking about the other person. And yet we're not aware. We don't, we don't see it, what we actually did. I see our time is going, so I'm going to stop with this, even though it's not quite the end. That I may know him, page 176. We must be severe upon our own defects of character. Be quick to discern our own errors and mistakes and make less of the faults of others than of our own. So tonight, as you have listened to those, and there's a lot more quotes we could look at in regard to this subject, but I, I was blessed as I read it and reminded of the importance of not sharing the things that we can't help but see, and to make sure that it only grabs a passing interest, but that very soon we're back dwelling on the beautiful character of Jesus. We are seeking for that kind of conversion to where we're no longer tempted 
because it's not even enjoyable to think about the uh, faults the of others. And of course, if there's something we can do, then that's always a blessing. If we can help that person. <coughs> we are our brother's keeper, but not in a destructive way, in a constructive way to maybe the person needs some prayer. You know, to have somebody come alongside of them and, and plead for God's blessing upon them and his help well, with them, that would be appreciated. But it's always hurtful when the story comes back of what was said about the bad deeds of others. Well, tonight, as you think about this, we pray that you will take the counsel of James seriously and not say, well, I hope so-and-so is listening tonight, but that each one of us will say, yes, Lord, I need help with the use of my tongue, and that we will get the help that he is wanting to give us.